The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to the Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Our talk shows and music shows. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection here uh, on 104.5 and 106.1 Conroe's FM. And you can watch us live on Facebook. We are here, Tony Sherritz Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani. We are here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. We are Texas licensed attorneys. And we are here every Tuesday to talk about legal matters, um, current topics that have a legal spin to it, anything that you have communicated to us, you're interested in, our listeners, we know that there are a lot of you out there and we really, really appreciate you listening. Today, we're going to be talking about um, what happens when you file a lawsuit and you are exaggerating the claims or you perjure yourself in court on the stand and Tony and I decided that we wanted to talk about that today, but first I want to tell you about a a guest that we're going to have on next week. His name is A.J. Channer. He's the head singer of Fire for the Gods. Maybe you guys have heard of him. I know that uh, one of the songs of his right now, one of the songs of that group called Right Now, I think it has around 8 million views on YouTube right now. And and it's interesting because it's it's relevant. What Tony and I have thought about this. I know we've discussed it. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, we want to address the current situations that are going on and stuff like that. We just want to be careful how we do it. Make sure that we're uh, addressing it from a perspective that's helpful and not just uh, complaining or whatever. Not having an empathetic view of both sides. You've got the, you know, the really strong right and the left. The people are like, this is just, you know, whatever their views are, you've got Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, and they're like, you know, kind of knocking horns. And we don't really have, uh, I don't think, a position on that, but you've got this guy who's written some songs about it that really kind of give us some clarity. They're very relevant. And um, I can't wait to have him on. I understand that just like what we try to help people with, with knowledge and facts and support, um, this guy does two but three song, and so I can't wait to hear from him. Yeah, we're so excited, and so we'll have more at the end of the show about that. But today, like I said, we're going to talk about, what are we talking about, Tony, perjury? Well, what came up was we had a <coughs> reading the other day, and it just kind of hit home with me. Um, it was, and I'm going to let you talk about what this actual verse is, because I always forget it, because you're the guru on this. But um, it has to do with, with God saying, um, how dare, if you have a splinter in your eye, um, how dare you talk about the splinter in the log? If you've got a log in your eye, how can you help me get the splinter out of mine? So what is the... Exactly. Well, it's in several Gospels. The okay. one that I pulled up was Matthew 7, 3, but it's it's comical. It almost, you get this comical look of this guy walking yeah. around with this plank. Like a going, Disney oh, cartoon. Hold still. Right. Wait, hold still. Because it's true. And mm-hmm. But now, before you read that, the reason this came up was because um, we had both had some incidents where... Um, our various clients and and just people that we were dealing with um, were not telling the truth and had this, um, I guess, unreasonable perspective on some things, like many people do because they're very emotional about it. And they're looking for someone to blame a lot. And maybe it's you, but maybe you shouldn't be their target. But whatever reason, we were talking about that. And then this verse came up in the reading at Mass the other day. 
And then it occurred to me that um, in almost every single case I've worked on and gone to trial, there's someone always lies on the stand. They always lie, and they don't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And whether it's lying on the stand or they're making a false report to the police because the police came out and one person says one thing and the other says, and they embellish, whatever it is, they're lying. And you can't lie to the police any more than you can lie to anybody. There's something kind of, you know, and and I'm not a theologian, and I certainly don't have a philosophy background, but but you're not supposed to lie. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't bear false witness. And... um, People lie for different reasons. There's different degrees. And so I thought, well, let's just, that kind of led to our show being on perjury and federal, uh, what the federal rules are, what the state rules are, when people prosecute, when they don't, what you can expect. But it all came from this reading that you're going to read us. Mm-hmm. This right here is Matthew. And um, I think it's interesting. The verses right before that talks about when Jesus was saying, don't judge. The way you judged, you will be judged according right, to your own people standard. people are, are judging, just like with these protests, just like with when someone calls the police because they're having a domestic, you know, issue, and they are, for whatever reason, your neighbor calls because they don't like your dog barking. You're judging, or maybe you should be judging to whatever degree it is, but th- it all came about because it is. Go so ahead. then Jesus says, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother... How can you say to your brother, hey, hold still, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold this, you've got this log in your eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I love that, because you get this big Disney image of a cartoon with a guy of a log in his eye. Because it's true. Saying, hold still, whacking the guy in the head that's got the speck. I mean, of course he said it best. He's the truth. He's perfect. But um, So anyway, um, I printed up some stuff on perjury, because... I'm telling you, in every trial I've been in, uh, whether it's a corporate representative lying for their company, and they're caught. They say they say something, and they're caught in the line. You're wondering, people are screaming. It's like, how come they're not being held criminally accountable for this lie, civilly accountable for this lie? Can the jury see this lie? This is a lie. Well, people lie for different reasons, and usually it's the, you know, the and I had a really, really good friend of mine in law school that said, people lie on the scene and lie in, 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 in real life. Um, uh, for because of the seven deadly sins, that there's a motivation to lie, whether it's um, pride, greed, you know, whatever the, se- the seven deadly sins. I always forget what they all are, but that's the main reason that somebody that's that's bad, that's evil, is going to lie. There's a motive behind it. Why are they lying? And but sometimes people lie for a good reason. It's kind of odd that you would think that people would lie if they're being virtuous. But do I look fat in those jeans? Are I don't want to lie because I don't want to get them in trouble. And then they catch themselves. And then it's best just to not to lie at all, just to say nothing. If just don't lie, it's not worth it because your integrity is now in 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 question here, and it, it goes a long way. A little lie is as bad as a large lie, and that's what we do when we're you know we do criminal defense. That's what I'm working on right now. I've got a gal that made. I mean, I've got a lot of cases I'm working on, but the one in particular I'm working on since all day yesterday was there was a girl that lied. She lied. She was trying to. I think she lied because she was trying to get free birth control, and she had a whole bunch of extra marital lovers or something. But she lied to the police about something that happened. I'm having to defend my client who didn't do it. Who's the one she lied about? Right. And um, I didn't know why she lied. And it looks like she was just an attention seeker, maybe. Um, She was trying to cover her other affairs by saying that this guy did it by picking him up. It's really bad. And so I thought, okay, she's committed perjury. This is really, really bad. Let's look Has at... Has she already committed perjury? Oh, yes. The I've statement she made to the, the police. The she made... Well, her own statements contradict the facts. She lied and said her father was dead, but he's clearly alive. Oh, I've, I, you know, I'm going to dedicate this to my, my father who's passed when he's alive and well. And uh, everything that she said was a lie. And so my case is going to be pretty easy when I when I've had to subpoena a bunch of people mm. to support that every statement she made to the police has been being proven a lie. So consequently, nothing she says can be trusted. And that's what you have to do with a lot of these he said, she said. We be, if it's this very perfect-looking person saying something to the police, and then you've got another person that's maybe not so perfect-looking on paper, but they're telling the truth, yeah. then you have to prove the person... That, that made the allegation is a liar. Now, sometimes I do my case and I find out that there wasn't a lie at all, but that's what we do. We uncover facts by subpoenaing records and talking to people and, and getting statements. But that being said, I know that this person committed perjury and it kind of all leads to why she's making these allegations. 
I don't know. But for some reason, that particular scripture made me look into perjury. Now, um, we know, and I think some of the more interesting cases regarding uh, perjury are the ones where you're wondering, why is this person, why is this such a big deal being brought out in the news about perjury when I know so many people that have lied and not gotten, gotten in trouble, that made false reports to the police or, you know, whatever. And the big one that's recently come up is Flynn. Flynn committed perjury, and the Department of Justice requests uh, later, he was convicted, um, he got a, a certain amount of jail time, prison time for it, and it was a really small thing. And so I want to read this real quick just to kind of give us a taste. Do you want to read the definition of perjury first before you read that um, or only, after? I just want to show uh, this first, to so, and then we can kind of segue into that, only because it was so surprising to me. It didn't seem like what he said was really a lie. I mean... I know, Tony. It was kind of crazy. And so yeah. um, Michael Flynn committed perjury in his guilty plea of lying to the FBI should not be dismissed, and this was just in the, the paper like yesterday, um, should not be dismissed. Um, a court-appointed advisor argued to a federal judge on Wednesday calling that, uh, last Wednesday, calling that the Justice Department attempt to undo the conviction was corrupt, politically motivated, and a gross abuse of prosecutorial power. In formal briefing to the judge overseeing Flynn's case, former New York federal judge John Gleason and Flynn's, um, said Flynn's guilt could hardly be more provable. He issued a sharp rebuke to the Justice Department's move to abandon the long-running case and called out President Trump for refusing to accept the settled foundation norms of prosecutorial independence. And what happened was um, Flynn was brought under uh, false pretenses to just talk with the Department of Justice. Right. They got. They kind of led him into uh, a uh, telling a little white lie yeah. uh, that because they had they had <clears throat> taped his. They had been un improperly listening to. Um, his telephone conversations. So they already knew what he said, and they asked him about it, and he's not thinking that he was actually under oath or saying anything wrong, um, said, well, I didn't say that, or whatever he said, whatever the lie was. I can't remember exactly what it was. And so um, on that very, very small, little kind of insignificant lie um, that really wasn't relevant to what they were looking for and had no basis for what they were talking about, um, they said, you perjured yourself, and they can, they 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 didn't convict him of perjury, he ultimately, because they threatened getting his son in trouble, and right. people are very protective about their kids, um, he he admitted that he had lied, and then did a plea deal where, and he didn't know what the amount of time um, in in federal prison he would get because it was a federal um, uh, a charge that they were they were going to make against him or did. But uh, when he pled. Um, they, uh, they, he felt he pled guilty. It's like my guys when when somebody pleads guilty, even if they didn't do it because they're trying to get out of the a worst case scenario, my life going down right. the tubes because right. I'm going to be drugged through the mud for seven years. And you mm -hmm. know about this about mm -hmm. some stuff yeah. in your life. It's just better to keep your family out of it, and, right. and you take the rap on a, what you're thinking is a small thing. Well, he got quite a number of years, or it was a long time in prison. I can't remember what exactly the amount of time was for. It. We'll have to. I'll have to look here. I think it was. Um, uh, it says that after spending more than two years convincing the district court of Flynn's crimes and enlisting the Article Three power to convict him, it's not asking too much for the government and Mr. Flynn to participate in the process. Um, I can't remember the amount of, uh, of time that he got, but it was enough that... It was like four years? It was something significant mm -hmm. for a very, very... It was right. something that was nothing. I mean, right. I think, they think that the priest, if you confessed to it, would have said it was more than a venial sin, go away. You know, it was no mm -hmm. big deal. And so um, the issue <coughs> was that... Um, uh, the uh, Attorney General Barr, uh, President Trump's new uh, Attorney mm -hmm, General, mm -hmm. said, "We're going to uh, go ahead and we're going to ask this be dismissed." And and I believe he did have it dismissed. Mm -hmm. And so then all of the liberals said, "Wrong." The people that went after Flynn to begin with, all of the you know the Obama group, said, "No, um, this is wrong. We should there should be an impeachment of Barr for this. This is we, he's already pled guilty. He's committed perjury." And, but he didn't, it, it was it's kind of a gray area, okay? So, but his, he pled guilty to perjury and received a number of years in prison for perjury, not any other thing that he was doing. It was lying when he didn't even really know something else. Now, I want you to read what the law is, the federal law, what is perjury? Mm -hmm. I don't think Flynn personally is guilty of perjury, other even though he admitted to it, because I don't think he meets these standards. So what is that? Okay, it's 18 U.S. Code 1621. Mm -hmm. 
Whoever, one, taking an oath before a competent tribunal officer or person in any case in which a law of the United States authorizes an oath to be administered, that he will testify, declare, depose, or certify truly, or that any written testimony, declaration, deposition, or certificate by him subscribed is true, willfully and contrary to such oath, states or subscribes any material matter which he does not believe to be true, okay. or... Any in any declaration, certificate, verification, or statement under the penalty of perjury as permitted by Section 1746, Title 28, United States Code, willfully subscribes as true any material matter which he does not believe to be true, is guilty of perjury, and shall, except as otherwise expressly provided by law, be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years or both. This section was applicable whether the statement or subscription is made within or without the United States. Okay. So anywhere in the world. Okay, so and he, the reason I think... He must have taken some sort of oath or um, signed something. I, that, that my understanding, and I have not read all of the paperwork on this, is that he simply had a conversation yeah. with the um, uh, FBI. And he was invited by... Um, who was the guy that the real tall one that uh, lied a bunch? I can't remember starts with a C. Comey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he simply was invited by him, and Comey was bragging about how he got him to talk and all that stuff. He was inviting him to have without without the necessity of an attorney, just a conversation with him, and and then they got him in trouble. So I don't believe that he actually took an oath, you know, and you know, like in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, how uh, she puts her hand on the Bible, but there's not really a Bible, it's really something else, and so mm -hmm. she didn't lie because she didn't take an oath on the Bible. Well, she can oath in court, and so that's kind of, you know, uh, I guess, a poetic license in that particular book and movie, but, um, but here I don't think he took an oath, and secondarily, it was to the extent that it was material, what he allegedly lied about would not have been perjury under this code, and that's what he was, he pled guilty to. And so I believe that um, Attorney General Barr was probably proper in in asking that it be dismissed under those circumstances, but that's just, that was what some of these articles are. Now, the other thing that we were going to bring up other than this code, um, and it's a, a, you know, the federal law would apply in many cases that we handle right now in federal court. Mm -hmm. If you go before, let's say, um, uh, federal Judge um, Harmon, and it's a bench trial, and are even better yet, uh, a case that we're working on right, right now. The um, We had a bunch of landowners who went before a judge in 1944 who swore that their land out um, that was in the Hodge Survey, they swore the Hodge Survey was um, had a, a certain number of uh, meets and bounds it was it, this particular fashioned measurement. This particular league, we swear <laughs> the Hodge Survey covers this particular area, and that was a lie. That was a bald faced fraudulent lie because what they told the judge, and they had not in uh, they had not served or included uh, the actual owners of the Sieberman Survey in their uh, in the case. Um, they actually told the judge under oath that we own this, and the people that actually own the land weren't there to defend it. So the judge said, oh, so it's more than one league that you were granted back in 1831 by Santa Ana. Well, okay, if you say so. Well, they knew that was a lie. That was fraud on the court, and that was perjury. But if no one knew, it's like a, the, the tree falling in the forest, no one knew until now. And so we have a lawsuit with, about that now. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you've got that kind of situation, fraud on the court is a void judgment, and you can go back under Federal Rule 60 and get it reversed, and there's no, there's no time limitation. But that's kind of off the beaten track on what we're talking about today. That was an actual perjury to a court. And when it is discovered, um, a perjury, I don't believe there's a statute of limitations on it, when it's the discovery rule. When perjury is discovered, depending on the on who is coming after you for that perjury, then there should be a, a penalty for it. And although they don't cover that here, different laws sort of weave into each other. Here we've got 18 U.S. Code 1621. That's perjury generally. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about within that very same code, any declaration, certificate, verification, or statement under the penalty of perjury as permitted under U.S. Code Section uh, uh, Title 28, Section 1746. So you've got to kind of tap into this and read all that. It gets kind of complicated. But the bottom line is, if you lied to a judge and it was material and it was under oath and um, it, it, it and you knew it, it would be a lie if you knew it. Otherwise, why would you even be testifying to that? Then you should be subjected uh, to 
up to five years in prison. And um, to go a step further, uh, and I'd forgotten all about this, and I may be dating myself, but kids, Clinton. That, yeah, kids yeah. in school, um, we all know, uh, because it was, and I was in law school, this is happening, uh-huh. right when I started law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to read this little article real quick, because we're going to apply it to what we just read about the perjury code. And it applies to the president, too. There's no executive privilege of telling the truth. Um, so here's a, it, this, this talks about what happened to President Clinton for all you people that are too young or, or, or didn't remember it. I didn't remember it. Um, after nearly and uh, 14 years, so I'll just read this. After nearly 14 years of debate, the ha- House of Representatives approves two articles of impeachment against President Clinton, charging him with lying under oath to a federal grand jury. So his lie, his perjury was to a grand jury. How could this be 14 years? You see, I don't of know. De- I don't know how he was writing No, 14 this hours. Does oh, it say hours? Thank you. After hours. hours. I'm like, what is okay. years? I'm I trying to like, calculate my yeah. mind. Okay, so Clinton it was had a long 14 time. hours. Thank you. I cannot read. After nearly 14 hours of debate, okay. which is a lot less than we just went through with all of the, the Trump and the, you know, all the oh, stuff going gosh. on with the, the Russian phony probe and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, after nearly 14 hours of debate, the House of Representatives approves, because it was written in 1998, two articles of impeachment against President Clinton, charging him with lying under oath to the federal grand jury and obstructing justice. Um and then um, we're going to go over this a little bit more just so we can remind everybody what happened. Clinton, the second president in American history to be impeached, vowed to finish his term. Now, we know that he did. That, uh, that Trump, I guess, would you, I believe he was impeached because the House of Representatives impeached him, although the Senate didn't go with it. I believe that that's considered impeachment. I think the Senate has to agree. The House impeaches. The House impeaches. And then right. they send to the Senate for ratification right, right. or but approval. The House did impeach him, mm-hmm. but, the but the Senate didn't, didn't ratify him. So he wasn't impeached. Right. Okay, so in this case, um, Clinton, it said this is the same case where the House of Representatives approved the articles of impeachment. The House of Representatives approved the articles of impeachment on Trump also. Mm-hmm. And then they through. sent so it to the Clinton, Senate. Clinton um, got to hold, he did vow to finish his term, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, in November of, ni- and so we're going to go back and talk about why this happened. In November of 1995, Clinton began an affair with Monica Lewinsky, a 21-year-old old unpaid intern. Mm-hmm. We all remember the hat and her mm-hmm. all smiling and cute, really pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of a year and a half, the president and Lewinsky had nearly a dozen Sexual encounters in the White House—it's mm. quite a bit—and uh, and then I that just makes me think about Hillary and how she's doesn't want to, you know, she she was actually abusing these these victims, saying that they were liars. And yeah, then, I remember you know, so that. That that just was why I couldn't go with Hillary ever being, you know, in in the White House because of this particular incident. Uh, standing by her man under these circumstances. Um, in April 1996, Lewinsky was transferred to the Pentagon. That summer, she first confided in Pentagon co-worker Linda Tripp about her sexual relationship with the president. And we all know Linda Tripp recently died. Well, if we don't, she just recently died and wrote some books on it. And she made a lot of money because yeah. Linda Tripp got kind of sucked into the vortex because she started it. She was like a little troublemaker. Yeah. And she sued the uh, the the United States for un um, for wrongful termination of her job at the Pentagon and she won. Really? And she got like six million dollars. She won really? a lot of money. So she made money on books and she made a lot of money being and had being friends with Monica Lewinsky and and uh, and, and co- persuading her to keep the blue dress which had all of the data with all the proof they needed. Um, yeah. In 1997, with the relationship over, Tripp began secretly to record conversations with Lewinsky in which Lewinsky gave Tripp details about the affair. Hmm. And if you've watched any of the shows on Lewinsky and movies they've made since then, Lewinsky was just some 21-year-old girl. We have kids that you know that age mm-hmm. who befriended this gal, and she was so proud and so happy and so in love with the president. And didn't really think anything was wrong. He didn't was head of, of love, loves marriage. He loves me, you know, happily ever after. And um, I guess she may have had some dreams of grandeur that this was going to turn into something, and it didn't. And so she was confiding in this gal, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know it's wrong because that was wrong for for Lewinsky to do that for sure. sure she should sure. not have uh, have been in that situation. But 
uh, she's le- later in, in in hindsight she said it was wrong and I guess she's come to terms with it but what happened to her later mm-hmm. that she was basically still living this basic crucifixion for what what went on with Clinton I mean even today that's what people remember her for oh, sure. she's the girl with the blue dress that brought down the president mm-hmm. and She's not like a millionaire. She's never gotten married or anything. Anyway, kind of a sad story. Um, In December of 1998, lawyers for Paula Jones, who was suing the president on sexual harassment charges, subpoenaed Lewinsky. That's how it all came about. It wasn't going to come about, but Paula Jones subpoenaed uh, the president, and and they were able to shed a lie. So it says, in January of 1998, allegedly under the recommendation of the president, Lewinsky filed an affidavit in which she denied ever having a sexual relationship with him. Okay. So now she's an lying affidavit too. is a sworn statement under oath. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she, and yes, she's lying too now because she didn't want to get him in trouble mm-hmm. because she was in love with him. Mm-hmm. Craziness, but she, it was. And so now we've got a bunch of different perjury going on. Mm-hmm. Um, five days later, Tripp contacted the office of Kenneth Starr, who we know later became mm-hmm. the, uh, I guess, the chancellor of Baylor or, you know, a uh, president, the guy that ran Baylor. He was there. Uh, he was their the main guy over there for a while. He, he doesn't anymore. Now he's just a commentator for Fox, I think. But anyway, uh, five days later, Tripp contacted the office of Kenneth Starr, the Whitewater Independent Council, to talk about Lewinsky and the tape she made of her conversations. Tripp, wired by FBI agents working with Starr, met with Lewinsky again. And on January 16th, Lewinsky was taken by FBI agents and U.S. attorneys to a hotel room where she was questioned and offered immunity if she cooperated with uh, the prosecution. So they basically strong-armed this 21-year-old. They held her completely improperly. The police do this. They're not... The police, are, they have good and they have bad police. It was completely wrong what they did, but we, it was very politically charged and motivated to take this 21-year-old girl, I guess she was maybe 22 at the time, and take her and basically threaten her yeah. that you're going to be held here for now you've perjured yourself. how long unless mm-hmm. you tell us what we want to hear mm-hmm. because we know what the truth is. And she didn't know what to do. I mean, she's got the president's you know, office on and the weight of the world on her shoulders and they won't let her talk to anybody. It was really bad. It was, I think that she would have had a very good case for improper imprisonment because they didn't have any charges against her and she was being held against her will. No attorney or anything. No, no, it was really, really bad. With Tony, that's kid. terrible. Yeah, but she also committed perjury. Yeah. So it's like, don't, don't do it. Just don't commit perjury. It's not worth it because look what happened to this chick. Um, a few days later, the story broke and Clinton publicly denied the allegation saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman miss Lewinsky mm-hmm. that was perjury they mm-hmm. were able to prove it and his whole argument was so I didn't have sexual relations because I didn't consider the blue dress incident I didn't consider that going so far as being sexual relations well we all know that that uh, even in the bible it says if you're even thinking and, and, and of course um president um who was the peanut farmer Carter, Jimmy Carter. Carter. President Carter said, if you even think about having, you know, of, you know, thinking of that the lust is a sin. Well, that's a, a completely different story. That's not going to be perjury. But he, uh, the, the, the House of Representatives determined, and I think most of us would agree, and our laws are all geared toward uh, and focus on what sexual relations are. And what he did was definitely sexual relations, and that's why he got in trouble. And that's a lot of the cases that I do, a sexual not harassment, but actual um, sexual assault, it, it runs the gambit from just touching somebody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even, uh, you know, on their shirt, through their clothes, above, um, you know, their breast. If that can be that can be a sexual assault if it was not consensual, if you just touch somebody. If it was offensive. For a girl or a guy, mm-hmm. if, if for that matter. Mm-hmm. But um, so you've got different degrees of of when they'll go forward and charge and when they won't and what sexual, but that was. Well, we were talking about before when we were deciding to do this, um, this morning you were saying that, you know, supposedly this happens and and ramifications of committing perjury for high-profile individuals Mm -hmm. like Clinton and Monica Lewinsky Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Michael Flynn and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But typically what happens, I mean, you've practiced law Uh a long time and what happens when you've got a client or you've got someone who is an opposing um, fact witness or whatever on the stand and they're like committing perjury? What what typically happens? They're lying. And uh, when you've got someone on the stand and like, the, uh, let's say a police officer, it happens a lot. I love mm-hmm. the police to death, mm-hmm. especially when they're protecting me and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when they get on the stand because they are determined to get a, a, a big uh, guilty, a big mm-hmm. conviction, 
then they get up there and they embellish and they lie. And I had an officer in a DWI case that just flat out lied, and I was offended. I what what do you it. mean? Um, he got on the stand and he said, um, I didn't give him a, um, a, I gave him a breath test and it, it was it showed alcohol and he did, he gave him a breath test and there was no alcohol and it wasn't admissible anyway. It was a lie. And so, and, it, and the jury hears this. And of course, I'm objecting. And that case did get uh, ultimately dismissed because of prosecutorial misconduct, I mm -hmm. believe. That That's right. Judge did it, as well as, um, as the police lying because the judge knew that wasn't right. It was right here in Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. and so that was all really, really good. But um, I'm going to uh, read an article by a Columbia University professor, which kind of hits on highlights. It says it much better than I will say it, but I completely agreed with it. Um, with what happens in real life when somebody commits perjury, and um, we've read what the federal uh, what the federal rules are. And we've read about the high-profile people, but right. typically nothing happens to someone who right, commits right. perjury, and right? I'm also going to read, after I read this, um, the Texas perjury law. So you're okay. going to state level, because that's really important to you, mm -hmm. because we deal mostly with state level. But let me read this, because I think it is exactly on point. Um, is it illegal to lie to the police? And we can also add to the court or... To a judge to, or to anybody that needs, in an affidavit, in an affidavit, a requirement of being under oath, right? A government official, okay, FBI, whoever it may be, okay. We're not talking about the sin of a lie because that's not going to be a crime. It may be, you know, a sin toward God. It may be a civil action because you've lied, but we're talking about a crime, okay? Right. Um, uh, there are tons of laws that could be argued to apply to any given action. For instance, if you tell a police officer you had one drink when you really had three, it's conceivable that that act in and of itself could be prosecuted as a crime in many states, including Texas, because you've lied to, uh, it's not under oath, but you've lied to a public official, all right? And we're going to talk about the Texas law here in a little bit, all right? Um, but it basically never would be because to the police, it doesn't really matter. The police are just doing their job for the most part. A lot of times you're lying. They know you're lying. You're drunk. I'm not drunk. I haven't had anything to drink. They can see that you're drunk, okay? And really nice people that are really trying to uphold the standards of our community and protect you as an individual who may be drunk, as well as somebody else that's on the road with you you might hurt, they're just people, and they're trying to do the right thing. That's why police get a really bad rap a lot of a lot of times. I mean, it depends on the situation, okay? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter to them. They are really... They're not really asking you if you drank tonight to gain information, but to, to, but to hear how you answer and to smell your breath, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. They're really just collecting evidence. Sure. They're not trying to get you on perjury. That's right. not what they're, they, they, actually, they can stop almost anybody and get almost anybody on perjury. People, the first thing out of their mouth when they see police officers to protect themselves is to say nothing and white lies just start flowing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. On the other hand, if you called and falsely told the police that there was a police car on fire at some location and an officer bleeding in the street and there had been a rash of false reports to the police in your area, then you very well might face prosecution because that's a false report. You're taking resources away from the community and you're lying intentionally for some reason, right? Why would you do that? Right. Okay. What is the difference? Is one act legal and the other illegal? No, they're, they're both lying. They're both, you know, to some degree perjury. Well, you could read this law or that law and make a case for various interpretations. But in practice, what matters is what the effect of your action is. And if police and prosecutors feel motivated to focus on it. Most states have enough laws in the books that significantly, that significantly inconveniencing harassing or impeding the work of police officers is something that can be punished right. on the basis of one law or another. Mm -hmm. They can get you on anything. Sure. They do all the time. Right. Because if you're not telling them what they want to hear, they'll threaten you with another law. Well, sure. I'm going to get you on that or I'm going to get your kid in trouble. Right. It's just trying to get what they want out of you, like mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. But it's the police officer doing it. But hopefully they're doing it for the right reason, like checking your breath for alcohol. Get you off the street before you really do hurt somebody. Right? right. Or get um, our, that's really what should be happening. You're trying to protect the community from somebody that may. And protect the drunk individual. Right, that right. should be what's happening. Right, right. It's not that they're trying to get you for drunk driving. Um, they're, trying they're trying to trying save to, your life. And save other people. That, yeah. Because they're, they're trying to help the public. That's right. the, why they got into that line of work. Like doctors and, and even lawyers for that matter. Right. So note also that the most common punishment for crime is not prosecution. Right. 
That is, most crime that gets punished in the U.S. never goes before the judge, even as a part of a plea deal. Most crimes that are punished are punished simply by arrest and release. Police make someone stop and search them a bit, or make them sit in the car, or they put handcuffs on them, or take them to the station, make them spend a night or a weekend in jail, um, arresting people on Friday so they would not be fully processed or released until Monday is a common practice. Mm -hmm. A lot of police are out there on Friday night because they know that they may not have enough to arrest them, but unfortunately, in our line of work, it gets us a lot of business, too. Yeah. They're going to hold them. The yeah. bad thing is that they're holding somebody that's maybe a DACA recipient or somebody that's not here legally or may be on probation. That person is going to try to run because that simple arrest is going to keep them in jail for not complying with their probation or their deferred or even being in the United States, and they may get sent to ICE. So that's where you kind of get to this sticky area of we're just trying to protect everybody, but the, now the officer's endangering themselves, and they're also... It's a really harsh remedy for somebody that really didn't do anything wrong. See, it's really sticky I, I area. Think, yeah, I think there's a so lot of So they shouldn't be that. arresting them for that reason. That really sucks, okay? Um, filing paperwork for someone is a hassle, though. That's from the police perspective. And also, sometimes police officer feels sympathetic to some people and don't think an offense deserves prosecution. Or maybe some woman has tried to have her husband arrested for cheating, which they do all the time, and they try to recant. But words of to wise from someone that's been representing lots of clients. Right. You do not get to tell the police who've come all the way out of your house, mm-hmm. who've made a report and gone to a lot of trouble that you have been sexually assaulted or you have been assaulted by your husband or your boyfriend or whatever because you cannot recant that because they've already done the paperwork. They take right. that very seriously. And it is a difficult recant. So don't do it because it's going to cost you a lot of money if you're just doing to teach your husband or your boyfriend a lesson. Don't do it. Right. All right. So, um, so, so, often, so often police will just inconvenience the person that's being called out. And that's, as their, the, punishment. that's their punishment. Often that person has indeed broken some official regulation. Often they haven't. Or the police suspect that they did, but don't really know. Mm-hmm. So they did. So did they do something <clears throat> illegal? It's not really easy to say, and that's really not the right question. Police sometimes err on... Because they're just, they like the person making the report. That is really unfortunate when you have some really cute girl making a, an improper report. Or maybe the police don't like the guy in the neighborhood that's always getting in trouble. That's the Eddie Haskell type or whatever. Right. And they arrest him anyway. That's wrong, too. Mm-hmm. So you've got a whole bunch of stuff kind of coming into play here. But that we can't get all that stuff on this show. Right. We're saying that it's a lot of discretion with regard to law enforcement and the courts on whether perjury or some other law is going to be prosecuted. Now, often there are no charges filed at all, or because maybe the DA that's on that's on call that night at the, the, the uh, at the station says, "You don't have enough for probable cause here. Right. Go away." Right. Or maybe they've made it to the felony court, and the the judge says after they they were held by one of the prosecutors, but the judge says, "No, there's no probable cause here. Let me hear more. I've seen that happen a number of times. Mm-hmm. Let's go a step further with a felony." The, the 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 prosecutor the police officer uh, found that there was probable cause to arrest the the prosecutor on call that night at the station said yeah probable cause here you're under arrest the the judge said yeah probable cause you don't even get a bond I don't bl- I believe you did this you've gone through all these different people that said there's probable cause for this you did it then you get to a grand jury a felony gives you a grand jury and mm-hmm. you get a good criminal defense attorney that says. There is absolutely not probable cause here. What is going on? Who did they know and who got paid off or whatever the case may be? Mm-hmm. And then the grand jury says there is no probable cause here. It's got to go away. Maybe the grand jury just thought it wasn't worth the time to prosecute. There's a lot of things in play. But you get a lot of bites of the apple for probable cause. But so, let's tell our listeners what the grand jury does. The grand jury will actually issue an indictment for that criminal. for Right. That if it's a felony person grand, that's been accused. There's a grand jury, and it's different from a regular jury. It's a group of 30 people that meet, um, I think, twice a month. Mm-hmm. And they look at all the felony charges, and, and they have to indict within 90 days or or um, or else they have to give, be given a bond Or is generally what happens. If they don't have a bond, they need to be given a bond, but you can't hold somebody without an indictment for a felony charge over 90 days. And But generally, I'll ask for a grand jury hold if I believe that my research will prove that the person making the accusation is lying. 
then that's how you 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 have to prove they're a liar, and that's what a lot of our work is. And that's and a whole packet you fill out and packet, submit. But it's really worth it if mm-hmm. you don't want to go somebody being in jail for two years on something they didn't do because the grand jury indicts them because right. you can indict a ham sandwich. Yeah. The grand jury, without somebody showing on the other side that this is truly not just and there's no probable cause right there's nobody they kind the of rubber stamp yeah, yeah. rubber stamp it so you got to fight on that level mm-hmm. the grand jury is pretty reasonable though they're just people that are good samaritans from the community um i, I believe different i believe there's a different number but i believe there's like 30 of them and different people come in um it's not like i i don't know as i've never been on a grand jury but they're the ones that determine whether or not they're going to no bill or indict mm-hmm. and that's why you have a lot of people you can actually bring a felony indictment again one grand jury may know bill and you can bring it again and a second grand jury may indict so it's kind of craziness and that's what you have a lot with these uh, with the protesters saying that how you can't find that police officer has not been um it, you know a felony charge has come but and how did he not get indicted by the grand jury you know there's prejudice whatever uh then then they can bring it again to the grand jury and there's a lot of stuff kind of going on with that but all that being said there may be a political motivation there may be a personal motivation a lot of stuff is in 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 check here, but the Constitution allow provides that if there's not probable cause, you cannot be held. Um, you can't be held. Your bond can't be too high. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes right. into play. But our show's on perjury today, so let's go back to perjury. Okay. Um, um, are the charges um, um, were the charges initially filed? Um, are the charges are initially filed a lot of times okay. with, a, with a crime, and then withdrawn because maybe the prosecutor. This happened a lot of times with me too. The prosecutor learns from your research before it even goes to the grand jury that there, there's just no way that, that this was probable cause here. And I don't want to go, I don't want to waste any more time and money. Um, your person is innocent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, often as well, the person's, now this is, this happens a lot. And it, it has to do with police perjury, okay? Often a person's belongings are stolen by the police. They never make it to the itemization list when the person is processed. They're supposed to list what was taken in the car right. and inventory. Or they are listed, but when they come back, the money in the wallet or the contents are removed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there really are a lot of bad police out there, and they do this. They'll throw down drugs, or, or they'll they'll say that stuff. You was, mean plant drugs? Yes, in their car yeah. or in mm-hmm. their wallet or something. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. If somebody's out to get you, I mean, you just got to be careful. It's just best to to be nice, be polite, do what the police officer wants. And, and pray well, a lot. if that works, yeah, I it mean, works. prayer Sometimes, works. But that is why we have a lot of stuff going on in yeah. like Macon County and stuff. That's a lot of stuff that happens, and uh, with the police really did happen. But got to get the benefit of the doubt to the good police officers. Around so, there. what about okay. these? Yeah. This when your belongings are missing? Okay, so what um, happens? And I've personally witnessed multiple people pleading with the Houston Police Department and at local stations for the return of their belongings taken this way. And they would have absolutely no reason to lie to me. They didn't have that. They can tell me specific detail of what I had. The dollar bill had this written on it. You know, it was a sentimental. I had a gold coin. There's no reason for them to lie. But you can't prove that the police didn't. And then you try to show that they want to sue. I want to sue for perjury. I want to sue theft. It's nearly impossible to sue the police and win under these circumstances. But it's not that often that this happens. I can say 90% of the time, they're very honest about the booking and what they take and what they list. You're going to get some bad apples. It just happens in the police force and bad apples out there. Now, um, and what happens is you just don't carry your belongings with you. <laughs> you know this uh, from, from your own clients and maybe some personal experiences. Police will do a, a no-knock. They'll go in your house. They'll take stuff. Oh, sure they will. They yeah. take stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but people come in your house and take stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, uh, people will lie and say they had stuff in their house that was taken. Well, but, it's, but it's a terrible situation because you can't lie to the police. That's perjury. All right. They can steal your stuff, and we like to discount that and say, oh, but it very rarely happens. Yeah, they do. They so. can lie to you. They can steal your stuff, and there's no recourse whatsoever. Well, there whatsoever. is recourse if you do have it in a safe. Let's say they're not going to get it in a safe. They don't know the code. So put your valuables in a safe. If you've got witnesses, if you've got if you've got cameras in your house, we have cameras in our house mm-hmm. uh, and outside. We'd be able to prove that they took it. Mm-hmm. Cameras are really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, cameras are what, the, what the, the the day and age right now. If somebody comes in your house without a search warrant or with a search warrant, you can record them as a law against that. Record mm-hmm. them with your cell phone. A lot more, mm-hmm. a lot less will happen. Get your cell phone out when you're stopped by the police. There's another law against your car. You recording the police while they're searching your car. Just do it. Okay. Um, it also matters. Um, 
now this is going back again toward perjury and you know getting taking being protected i suppose um it also matters or whether or not you get charged with perjury or another person gets per charged with the the charge of perjury is discretionary a lot of times it also matters a huge amount who you are and how much attention the police expect your arrest or prosecution to attract General Flynn would never have been arrested for what right. they did. They baited him. Mm-hmm. He was set up. In fact, that was, um, what is it called? When entrapment. Entrapment. They entrapped him, as far as I'm concerned. That would be a great defense. I don't know why they're not arguing that. Me neither. Um, people are often rounded up with zero suspicion by the police that they have committed crimes. For instance, at protest um, in Houston, in New York City, People have been thrown in paddy wagons while on their way to work, totally mystified at why they're being arrested, only to be released hours or days later, never, ha- never having been charged. It is not uncommon for the police to arrest protesters. Now, they're not doing it right now in the recent protests we had. There was too many people. Right. There was simply too many. They should have been arresting the rioters, the people that were pillaging local business. That was proper, but there was the police were being targeted. So this was a completely different dynamic from what we're talking about today. Right. Um, it's simplistic and essentially incorrect to say uh, yes, lying to the police is a crime, uh, or it's called this crime or that crime, or, or saying no, lying to police is not a crime. Uh, smart lawyers never talk to each other that way, and we wouldn't talk to judges that way. Mm-hmm. That the idea that some things are crimes is a simple gloss that the unthinking police are told, but not at all how crime and punishment actually work. So the truth of the matter is, you know if you're lying. A lot of people know you're lying. Can you prove it's a lie? How far will you go to prove it's a lie? Who are you? I think the most important thing that we can hit at today is, was the lie that you told going to harm someone else? Was it an injury? Did you tell it to get someone in prison? Did you tell it... Uh, to get someone arrested. What harm occurred because of that lie? Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, that did the police have to go to a lot of work for it? Um, did someone go to prison for it? Um, what was your motivation for it? There's a lot of things that go into check, and who gets to judge? I mean, only God gets to judge in reality. But um, that all being said, there's it's there's a gloss and there's a gray area, and perjury is perjury if you're under oath, and whether it's an affidavit, and it is it, it, whether it's a small perjury or large perjury, it's perjury. But to the degree that it is prosecuted. That's what we're talking about today. And there's a lot of things that kick in. And if you're not high enough up or if you're a, if it happens all the time with my illegal immigrants, they're arrested. The police know that they're, that they have nobody that's protecting them. They go through their wallets. They take hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, they stop them knowing that it's, this happens a lot with my drug cases. They'll have $100,000 in that car and the police turn in 50000 of it. Everyone knows yeah. involved, but they can't. It was it was blood. I mean, blood money is drug money. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have the money to begin with. So um, I guess if that's your beat, so to speak, and you're an officer and you're not a good officer and you want to set yourself up for getting hurt later because these drug people don't oh, mess yeah. around, yeah. they're going to get the police officer that took it. It's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Hang Texas, on one second. Dick, okay. how much longer do we have? We have five minutes. Okay. Texas perjury laws. Tell us about it. Okay, I want to wrap this up so we can talk a little bit about our guest next week, too, even though I already have talked about him. Committing perjury is a violation of Texas state law. One commits perjury by making a false statement, either oral or written, Mm -hmm. while under oath, or when swearing to the truth of a previous false statement that was either made under oath or required to be made under oath, such as a written statement. Mm -hmm. In order to prove a case for perjury, prosecutors must prove that the defendant made the false statement with the intent to deceive Mm -hmm. and the knowledge of the statement's meaning. And I will only break in for the moment that I have this with my domestic assaults all the time. The woman will write, he hit me, he hit me, he choked me, and that's not what happened. And then she feels bad. Maybe some of it's true, but not all of it's true. Yeah. Then she recants all of it, and they threaten her with perjury. Yeah. And they never, in, in, in true, um, uh, in the reality, I have never once seen a woman that recanted about an assault charged with perjury. So people out there that try to get your cheating husband right. in trouble... Stop doing that. That's the wrong way to do it. You right. need to go to counseling. But you also, if you recant properly, you're not going to get uh, charged with perjury. They don't have time for that. Yeah. Okay. So there... And I want to throw in one more reason. The reason that you're not going to is because now that they've proven the the alleged victim's a liar, they've got to undo that, and it makes it more difficult to win their case against the alleged perpetrator. Okay. 
Okay, so the statutory definition, a person commits perjury if, with the intent to deceive and with knowledge of the statement, he makes a false statement under oath or swears to the truth of a false statement, and that statement is required or authorized by law to be made under oath, or he makes a false unsworn declaration. Oh, wow. In Texas, it's tougher. Mm -hmm. A person commits aggravated perjury. Now, this is a different thing. It's a step up. If he commits perjury as defined above and... The statement is made during or in connection with an official proceeding. Yes, in and court. Uh-huh. Is, right, and is material. Yes. Uh-huh. A statement is material regardless of the admissibility of this statement if evidence could have affected the course or outcome of the official yes. procedure. I watched him shoot him, and you know that didn't happen, and somebody goes to prison over it forever. It happens all the time. See it on all the TV shows, you know. I, I saw that person do this, and that you didn't see them do that. And um, it's perjury. The classification of the crime is a Class A misdemeanor, third-degree felony for aggravated perjury. So it's only a misdemeanor. That means you can lie all the time. It's really sad. And you're facing up to one year in county jail, a fine up to $4,000, with a third-degree felony of aggregated perjury, Mm -hmm. two to ten years in state prison, and a fine of up to $10,000. If they actually go after it. But we went over the reasons why they do and they don't. So Mm -hmm. Uh, There are three defenses here I think are interesting. Four. Lack of intent to deceive. Right. You didn't know. Lack Mm -hmm. of knowledge of the statement's meaning. I didn't mean to say it that way. Yeah, I didn't understand the legal term that you were asking me. Mm -hmm. Mistake. Okay. And entrapment. I thought that the person looked just like you, but it really wasn't you. It was somebody that was your twin sister. Yeah. It's not perjury. Right. Right. Okay. Well, so we are excited about our uh, guest next week, A.J. Channer. He is the lead singer of Fire for the Gods. You guys should check him out. We want to give... Uh, that group, you know, I feel like they're relevant. I've talked to Tony a lot about it. Uh, you can listen to them on YouTube, um, Spotify, Fire from the Gods. The song that I think is super relevant right now is called Right Now. And we're going to interview him and get to find out what his inspiration was right. for the songs and what inspiration he got maybe from, from God, because it's, it's, the title is Fire from mm-hmm. the Gods, right? Mm-hmm. And um, his group. So I think that we're going to have a really good conversation with him. He's going to bring some insight that we haven't gotten to hear for a while from from uh, a musician that's got lots of people following him and he's new and maybe we'll be the you know we'll and I and you know all of his songs I've I've looked at a lot of them uh, almost all of them and they're relevant they're important they're not goofy or silly or funny or they're important we're gonna find out next week mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so we're excited about that uh, tune in twelve to one p.m. next Tuesday on one hundred four point five or one hundred six point one. And then you can listen to us live on Facebook next Tuesday, too. Tomorrow, our podcast is available for download from uh, iTunes, Google Play. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening, guys. We want to remind you to always serve God by serving others. See you next week. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.